Azarius Capital Management is an independent investment advisor registered with the Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Securities. This podcast is being provided for information purposes only, and it does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any interest in any fund managed by Azarius. Any such offer or solicitation will be made only by means of a confidential private offering memorandum. Welcome to another episode of the Azarius Capital Management Uranium Podcast Series. Azarius Capital specializes in identifying turnaround opportunities in the small cap universe, and that focus often leads us to industries poised for a cyclical upturn. We believe uranium represents one of the best opportunities in the market today to experience a powerful cyclical recovery. In our first three episodes in this uranium series, we provided an overview of supply and demand and made our case for why we expect an impending supply deficit to drive the price of uranium to at least double from current levels. Every commodity has a common story. The price of the commodity goes up, incentivizing new production until there's an excess of supply and a buildup of inventory, leading to a price decline which lasts until supply is back in balance with demand. Today's episode focuses on the buildup of inventory in the uranium sector. Who holds it? and why we believe there's not nearly enough inventory to fill the gap between current production and consumption, possibly as early as next year. I'm Darren Heitman, the founder of Azarius Capital Management, and I'm joined by my colleague and partner, Chris Gillespie. So the the topic of uranium inventory is really critical to our bullish thesis because there's only three sources of supply either comes out of the ground, which we covered in our demand podcast. It comes from secondary supply, which we also covered in our demand podcast. Or the third source, and the last source could come from, is inventory. So in our supply and demand podcast, we've already covered why in the current year and for the foreseeable future, there's not enough uranium being produced to meet consumption. So that implies that it has to come out of inventory. And it's been coming out of inventory since 2018. So if you're not bullish on uranium, in our opinion, it has to be because you think there's enough inventory out there. It's going to meet the demand and fill that gap between supply and demand for a long time. So we spent a lot of time on that. And I should give you credit. You spent a lot of time on that and you figured out where does the world stand from an inventory standpoint. So let's dive into the details. Okay. What are the experts saying? So there's two sources that the world relies on or the market relies on for how much inventory is out there. Right. Okay. So maybe it's best to start with the OECD, NEA, and those organizations together put out what's called the Red Book every two years. So in their latest iteration of that in 2018, they put out an estimate of global inventory that was based on all of the uranium that's ever been mined. They subtracted from that all of the uranium that's ever been used in reactors. They came up with a number about 1.3 billion pounds. I think that could be a little low because they don't include anything in there for, um, you know, what we would call uh, recycling. It's stuff that's been used, they reuse it. So that could add another 200 to 250 million pounds maybe to that number. So if you add that in, you might have a 1.5 billion pound inventory. So that's the first place to start. That's compared to consumption of around 190 million pounds a year, but we always round up to 200 when we're trying to give a big overview. So that was scary when I ran across that inventory number the first time when it would, before we'd made a decision on our thesis. I was like, well, come right. on, we're not going to buy into a, an industry that has seven years worth of inventory. Anyway, I just wanted to inject that uh, yeah. because it's a big number. It's, it's scary until you really start digging in. 
It is. Maybe we'll dig into that in a minute, but I just want to talk about the second source of estimates for inventory is UX consulting, which is sort of the big industry information source that a lot of people rely on. A lot of utilities rely on them for their information. So UX consulting has taken three shots at inventory estimate. The first one in 2015, they said there was about 1.1 billion pounds of inventory. And then they came out in 2018 with a number of 1.8 billion pounds. And then they just recently did another estimate that came in very close again to the to the 1.8 billion pound figure. So as we look at these big numbers, maybe we should think about diving into what that might be comprised of. Yeah, and why we've concluded there's not too much inventory out there. Yeah. Okay. So if you look at it, the first, say, big piece of inventory would be, I would call them U.S. and Russian Cold War stockpiles. Estimates for that range, you know, in the U.S. consulting piece with the where they estimated to be at 1.8 billion pounds, they put those two numbers together, the U.S. at 240 million pounds. Russia at about 360, 370 million pounds. Their earlier iteration of that was closer to 400 million pounds. So somewhere in the 400 to 600 million pound range for that. And then China has also built up substantial inventories over the last 10 to 15 years to supply their future needs because they actually don't produce very much uranium in the country. But meanwhile, they are in the middle of a huge build out where by the end of this decade, they'll, they'll be probably the largest user. They will surpass the U.S. sometime in the 2020s. So their demand is going to go from currently maybe in the low 20 million range per year to 50 million plus by the end of the decade. And so they've built a stockpile of, again, it's an estimate somewhere in the 400 to 425 million pound range. So you put those two together and you have somewhere between 800 and a billion pounds. And then the other big buckets would be utility inventories for consumption in existing reactors. And so the big sources of those inventories are US and US inventories are uh, well-known. They're tracked by the government and they just came out with the latest year-end 2019 estimate is about 110 million pounds of U.S. inventory. European inventory is in a similar range, 110, 120 million pounds. And then Japanese inventories are a little bit more of a question mark. And that's probably where a lot of the question lies because of what happened with Fukushima in 2011. The estimate range there is probably in the 170, 180 million pound range. So when you put those three together, you get another 400, let's say, little over 400 million pounds. So you put all that together and that's Mm 1.3 billion pounds. So we're accounting for a lot of this inventory and then maybe taking a step back. I know we already talked about this a little bit, but the utilities, say the U.S. utilities and the European utilities like to have, you know, at least two years of inventory on hand. There's a process that takes a while to get taken from the ground to get into the reactor. And and so they like to have at least two years, which is about where they are right now. So, you know, inventory levels are not high. And then in terms of the remainder of inventory out there, suppliers, mechanicos, because autumn proms of the world, they usually like to keep about six months of inventory. Cameco over the last couple of years has really sold down their inventory by a lot. And they are actually below that six month range and probably down to the three month range as of now. Their inventories are below where they want them to be normally. And because autumn proms are probably at about six months, but they also might have to come down too here as their production cuts start to kick in here due to COVID. So supplier inventories have been coming down and are at the two biggest suppliers are fairly tight. And then you have the element of traders, which is somewhat unknown, how much they hold and, you know, investment funds. So uh, uranium participation and, and yellow cake and 
you know, those guys have been buying uranium and they probably are not going to sell it till it goes up fairly substantially from here. So that's kind of the overview. There are some big numbers out there. You know, I would say we probably lean more towards the red book number of maybe 1.5 billion. You know, we don't think that there's a lot of extra inventory out there. No, that's a great overview of where it's being held, but it's an opaque market. So there's still ranges. I mean, people don't know for sure. Right. Let's talk about what might be for sale. So we can go do the same thing, go around the world. So if uh, the United States has over 200 million pounds, it's held by the government, right? Right. And we actually have pretty good insight on what's happened historically. So I guess maybe before we get into it, what's held by governments is generally separate from what's available for fuel for utilities. Now, there is going to be some overlap, which we'll get into, like China being exhibit A. But in the United States, the United States government owns that uranium. They've owned hundreds of millions of pounds for decades. So maybe tell the listeners what's happened historically and what's happening now. And why don't we think that's all going to flood into the market? So the U.S., uh, until recently, the Department of Energy has sold some small amounts on an annual basis into the market something on the order of, say, 5 million pounds. They stopped doing that a couple of years ago, uh, you know, at the urging of the industry because it wasn't helping producers to have the extra pounds being sold and it wasn't adding a lot of money to the U.S. government coffers. So as of now, the U.S. is not a seller of those excess Cold War pounds. So that's one piece that's not a seller. So we know the United States, even when they're sellers, the government is only selling 5 million pounds a year which our right. supply and demand model, if for whatever reason there's a change in administration and a change in policy, the Department of Energy starts selling those 5 million pounds again, that's fine. Our model can absorb that. The structural supply deficit is more than that 5 million pounds. Right. Well, let's jump right to the U.S. utilities. Maybe we can do it geographically. The U.S. utilities have about 110 million pounds, and right. we think that's about two years worth of supply. Annual consumption's in the 50 million-ish pounds a year range, so just a little bit over two years of supply. The utilities like to have visibility into their supply because it does take a while to get the uranium from the ground into the point where it can be put into reactor. And so they don't like to go too far below two years. And so they're not sellers. You know, in fact, their inventories have been coming down here over the last several years. And we think that they are now in a position where they're going to have to be buyers. A lot of the contracts that they signed five, 10 years ago are expiring. And so they're going to have to be in the market to try to get new uranium supply. Yeah. Maybe to add a little bit of color to that. So the U.S. utilities have been taking delivery on less than what they have consumed for the last several years. This year is actually a surprise that the most recent data that you referenced earlier, I think everybody's a little surprised that their inventory didn't come down again this year, but there are nuances about it that aren't worth getting into. But if you look at it on a multi-year basis, the U.S. utilities have been buying less than they've consumed. And we think going forward, they're going to have to take delivery on at least as much as they consume because their inventory levels are getting down to about the two-year level. You know, one thing I don't think has come up yet is the fuel cycle. The fuel cycle is around 18 months. So if you think about it in terms of work in process, U.S. utilities can't go much below two years. Again, I'm taking some liberties with the details of the fuel cycle, but in a steady state environment, the utilities need two years to process the fuel and go from raw uranium to actual usable fuel. And so therefore, they they really can't go below two years worth of what's referred to as inventory. That's right. There's a whole process where you go, you mine the uranium, and then you mill it into yellow cake, and then you convert it into UF6 uranium hexafluoride, and then you 
enrich that. You have to spin it in centrifuges to enrich it. All those things take time and it's about an 18 month plus process. So you need to know where your uranium's coming from at least one and a half to two years out. So I'm not very good at leading these podcasts. We haven't done very many of them. So I'm kind of jumping around, but that's as good a time as any to go back to the big picture. And let's say there's 1.4 billion pounds of inventory out there. There's 1.4 billion pounds of uranium floating around the world. Commercial consumption is 200 million pounds a year. It takes two years to process. And by definition, you will always have 400 million pounds of inventory. So if everything is working perfectly and no government had any inventory, you would always have 400 million pounds of inventory. So keeping that 1.4 billion number in mind. But as we've discussed before, Utilities need safety stock. Utilities are not going to live hand to mouth. And particularly in China, where they can't domestically supply their needs, their demand, they're going to hold a certain number of years of safety stock. But that's true even in the United States, where it used to be and probably should be. So now it comes down to the question of where is that safety stock? Is that held by the government? in the case of China and Russia, perhaps, or is it going to be held commercially? But regardless, there's going to be a certain number of years of safety stock. When I'm thinking about this conceptually, it doesn't necessarily answer the question of how much inventory is out there today. But if you go, well, there's an extra billion pounds over and above what would be in working process, that's still only five years worth of safety stock. That's right. Which really isn't that much before you even consider national defense issues. Anyway, like I said, that was a bit of an interjection and a little bit of a non sequitur, but sometimes it's how I think about it. That makes a lot of sense. And um, I think Japan at one time had a policy of having eight years worth of inventory on the ground Mm -hmm. because they import it, they don't make it. And I think that's part of the reason why China has built up 400 million pounds, because that's probably, as you look at their build out, that's probably 10 years. And again, they don't make any. They own some mines that are producing, but they don't have a lot of production in country. So when you're putting billions of dollars per reactor, you're going to want to make sure you have the fuel to run these things. And then another estimate that we recently saw from UXC's newest estimate of inventory was that they say that there should be sort of five years of commercial inventory in the chain, right? And that gets to maybe what you're talking about in terms of if you maybe have two years of work in process, two years of actual inventory. So that gets you up closer to a billion pounds of commercial inventory. And again, there's some question mark about about what you'd call Chinese inventories right now. Are they commercial? Are they government? But that still, would, again, would not leave you with a lot of extra when you just use the U.S. and Russian strategic stockpiles. Yeah, and I guess maybe we could wrap up that big picture by talking about the inventory that's held by Russia and China is not for sale. I hope we've talked about enough that the listener would understand why we would say the 400 million pounds that are held by China just aren't for sale. Some might leak out or might be used to supply consumption, but... Yeah, Russia is a very much of a black box. People don't really know what their centrifuges are doing, how they're operating, but it's not as if that 360 million pounds is going to flood the market. Right. Again, I apologize for being all over the place, but as far as Russia specifically goes, they have a national industrial policy to export their nuclear construction expertise. So they're actually marketing their ability to build a nuclear power plant for other countries in as part of that deal, they agree to supply that nuclear power plant with fuel for the life of that plant. And so if you look at the deals they've done over the last 10 years, they actually need those 360 million pounds to meet their obligations. 
So at the risk of confusing people new to the space, the main message here is talking about inventory is that Russia doesn't have enough inventory when they're looking at 10 years to be selling it. They need that inventory to meet their future obligations, which is reflected in our supply and demand model. Yeah. So I think we've kind of looked at the industry and thought that in 2010, 2011, before Fukushima, the industry was probably in reasonably close balance. The uranium price was close to what we think the long-term incentive price should be, somewhere in the $65 a pound range. And then Fukushima happened, and overnight, we lost 22 to 25 million pounds of annual demand. And so there were various puts and takes in terms of some new mines coming on, some existing mines closing over that time period. If you look at it broadly, it was probably in the neighborhood of 25 million pounds a year of inventory built up for seven years. So let's say 175 million pounds of inventory built up. You know, we went from a balance to 175 million extra by 2017. Most of that was delivered to Japan under contracts. And so the big question mark in the industry is what's going on with that? Most of the people that we talk to and most of the people in the industry think that Japan is still holding on to most of that inventory and that it's not for sale. In our model, we assume that, say, half of it is for sale. So let's say 85, 90 million pounds is available. Now, over the last two years, 2018 and 2019, we think inventory went down by about 20 million pounds a year. So that cuts that to 45, 50. This year, we thought it was going to go down by another 20 to 25 million pounds. But as a result of the coronavirus, Cameco closed Cigar Lake Mine, which is an 18 million pound a year mine. And Kazatomprom also announced that they were going to be cutting production by 10 million pounds a year. And both of those things were originally supposed to be till June. We haven't heard yet about any restart. News out of Kazakhstan seems to be that the virus is still pretty strong over there. So we would think that might get continued and that 10 million could go higher. But either way, looks like about at least 20 million additional pounds are going to be unavailable this year as a result of COVID, maybe more. So we thought at the beginning of the year there were 45 to 50 million extra pounds. And now we think this year that most of those pounds are going to be consumed by the market. And that by the end of this year, if you assume that half of those extra inventories that went into Japan were sort of commercially available, mobile, that they're going to be pretty well exhausted by the end of the year. And then the market, which is in a deficit and using that inventory to fill the gap between demand and supply, is going to be trying to figure out where to get those extra 25 million pounds next year. So that's why we're bullish right now. That's why we think the uranium prices has to go higher soon because we don't think that there's a lot of inventory out there and it's needed next year. Yeah, that's a great summary. Regarding Japan, I thought it was a really interesting and potentially informative data point that they entered into a supply agreement for the late 2020s with Uzbekistan, right? Was yeah. it, why would they be thinking about where their uranium is going to come from in the late 2020s if they're a wash in inventory? So I guess the point is if they're looking to buy it in late 2020s, that tells you they're not really sellers now. Why would they be sellers? Right. You know, all the anecdotal evidence and all the people we talk to say that Cameco, for example, has been trying to buy uranium for the past uh, year and a half because they've been short and they, they say that Japan is not a seller. So I also was on an industry conference call the other day where one of the participants said that the mobile number of pounds that are sort of available to the market is somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 million pounds. So that'd be even lower than what we think, which could, certainly is possible if Japan isn't selling a lot of that inventory, then right. our number would be too high. Right. Yeah, and I know I'm just going to repeat what you said earlier about why are we so bullish right now? We're long-term investors, so when we say right now, we really mean for the next 12 to 18 months, but you know, we're hopeful right. it starts right now. 
Uh, but we really are optimistic that this bull thesis starts to play out in the next 12 months because we believe the world is out of mobile inventory, that the inventory that people are counting on to meet the supply deficit in the near term isn't there. So we started out talking big picture and I threw a lot of conceptual things out there for why we could be almost out of inventory using the 1.4 billion number. But when you're talking such big numbers, you could be off by quite a bit. You brought it down to what happened since Fukushima. So I just want to reiterate that we used the assumption that the market was pretty much in balance. There wasn't excess inventory in 2010, 2011, right before Fukushima for two reasons. We went through a huge bull market. The price of uranium went to $140. And that doesn't happen when the world's awash in uranium and excess inventory. So we believe that the market was tight, basically in balance, or that wouldn't have happened. And then, as you said, once we got closer to 2011, you know, it's kind of settled back down into the marginal cost of production in the 60s. So it's really Fukushima that put the world in an excess inventory situation. Up until then, you could watch production pretty much meet consumption. Production and consumption was pretty much in balance. Post-Fukushima, production exceeded consumption. So you look at it year by year and aggregate it. And between 2011 and 2017, according to our estimates, the world produced around 175 million too many pounds. So there was too many pounds floating around. There was excess inventory. So that's okay. That doesn't mean that we can't have a bull market. So the key is to figure out when is that 175 million going to get soaked up, which pre-COVID we thought was going to happen 2021, 2022. And COVID really has pulled that forward by maybe six or 12 months, depending on how much disruption there still will be ahead of us. So the world will find out that that inventory isn't out there. We're talking about a market that's in a supply deficit in really as early as 2022, 2023. And in nuclear power terms, that's tomorrow. They have to know where their fuel is going to come from for those years, if not now, within the next 12 months. That's really too many words to explain why we're so bullish, but it does come down to inventory. I mean, I know that a lot of people talk about shut-in supply. That's a good reason to be bearish. Why be bullish? Because there's this shut-in supply, but I actually don't understand that because that shut-in supply is not coming back on until the price is higher. Cameco has said so, flat out. Right. Taking those statements at face value, MacArthur River and probably Scarlet Lake is not coming back on until they have long-term contracts in the 50s. 40s and 50s. And we still think there'll be a supply deficit even after that, which we covered in a different podcast. I'm convinced the issue is how much inventory is out there. And yeah. we, we think it's going to be gone. Once that excess inventory goes away, which we think is imminent, it's really off to the races. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned one thing there that's very important is that uh, the price of uranium did go to 140 in the last bull market in 2007. That was despite, you know, these big numbers, whatever, whatever you want to use, 1.1, 1.5, 1.8 billion pounds. That number was higher, however you want to measure it in 2007. And the price still went to 140, which tells you that a lot of those pounds are just not available to be sold into the market and they will not be sold. So that helps to make the number a little less scary also, I think. That's a good point. That's great. All right. Well, we probably forgot something, but let's leave it at that for now. I appreciate all the work you did and uh, appreciate your thoughts on uranium inventory. Yeah, thanks. Always good to talk. All right. I'll talk to you soon. All right.